you can have data without information, but you cannot have information without data. Hey guys, welcome to VS Energy's Energy Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Ferry, and here with us today is Mark Sankey and Nick Taliska. In today's podcast, we will be diving into the world of data logging. So data logging can be used for a multitude of different things, as we all know. But in today's discussion, we'll kind of be gearing and focusing our data logging, you know, towards an energy audit, I suppose. So if you've tuned into our previous podcast, we outlined the different levels of an energy audit, ASHRAE level one, two, and three. And we're just going to discuss kind of where and how data logging fits in to these different ASHRAE levels. So with that being said, let's get started. Mark or Nick, I don't know if you want to dive into this, but I know, you know, obviously at the surface, data logging, extremely valuable in, you know, the energy audit portion for baseline measurements of energy consumption. Um, we can use it to identify any inefficiencies, ensure stable operation of systems, and verify, obviously, any type of information we're curious about. Well, that's true. But I, I think even before that, I would say the big question is why do we use data loggers? And number one, it's to confirm the operation of things which we may have uncertainty about. I've done many audits personally, managed many audits, uh, assisted with audits, and invariably there is uh, some amount of data that is taken from customer or operation staff interviews, which says things like, the building is set back every day based on you know the optimal start schedule. Therefore, we're going to assume that you know the building set back, or we turn this equipment off at the end of each shift. And in my mind, unless I have data to support that, there is no basis to go forward with a contract based on that kind of unverified information. So when I say okay. Uh, we turn off our uh, process air compressors at the end of every shift, for instance, you know, maybe 500 horsepower air compressor. Well, that in and of itself is, uh, you know, two thirds of a, or a third of a megawatt load. And if it is happening, great. If it's not happening, then we will establish the baseline based on the data from the data loggers. I got to imagine not that I, not that I have trust issues, <laughs> but um, you probably hear a lot of we do this and what have you, and you throw in your data logger and it's not the case. Well, everybody has good intentions. Yes. Yeah. So I I want to do things and generally I do, and sometimes I forget, and if I re forget repeatedly, that becomes a habit, and things that I have good intentions about no, no longer happen. So the necessity to document performance, especially during an ESPC uh, baseline construction project or anything like that where there's monetary risk or performance risk, you just need to have it documented. And, and that's a large portion of uh, the value of a data logger. And then the, the second part is you ask the question, where where does it fit in an ASHRAE level one, two, or three? Generally not in an ASHRAE level one right. audit, level two audit, or especially a level three audit, where we are increasing the levels of certainty and granularity of the data. Correlation 
of dependent and independent variables over time becomes a necessity. And level two, probably some data loggers. Level three, there might be a lot of data loggers if you don't have another automated mechanism to collect data. So that's just generally my opinion. What do you think, Nick? Well, I think those are all great points, and you're totally right. It's not just to really protect the the energy auditor or you know that that organization, but you know if you run with this information from the start, those are two great examples. You know, our buildings they operate from these hours, or our equipment is on from whatever six a.m. to four p.m. or five p.m. and our space temperatures are maintained at seventy-two, blah blah blah, but if you just take that and run with it and build a whole project on it and commit to capital and a lot of those things don't turn out to be right i mean temp zone temperatures are a big thing and equipment on time is a big thing so i mean and there's a host of other things you can do with data loggers you know which to distinguish between a, a built-in building automation system or some other kind of fixed data acquisition uh program you know, data loggers are great to uh, deploy in the field in a lot of places where, you know, there is no other way to verify this except from, you know, the, the testimony of, of people in the building. And, and I agree completely. Nobody is going to intentionally lie to you about what their buildings are doing. But, yeah, there's a lot to understand in a facility. And, you know, they may be wrong about some things. And you just want to get that baseline down. Well, and even you're exactly right. And even going further, um, typically a BMS may or may not give you, let's take the example of boiler operation, for instance, at, you know, 55 degrees outside air, we enable the boilers. Well, unless there's a status feedback on those, we don't know how often those boilers cycle or what their firing rate is because there is a multitude of internal controls that uh, control the temperature and firing rate based on leaving uh, fluid temperature. So you might want to put in a stack temperature uh, monitor to be able to say, okay, what's our stack temperature doing? It'll tell us whether uh, we actually have a high-low fire going on and also uh, how much heat's being lost when the boiler's shut down and we're going through convective cooling and there's stack standby loss. So data loggers by themselves great, but they can also be used to enhance the uh, level of information you get from the in-situ data gathering systems. Absolutely. Uh, and it's it's crazy, I guess, just looking at it, I, I don't know, high level or whatever you want to call it. Like to me, these, these little, right, to me, little data loggers could be so useful, but yeah, you have to know how and when and where to apply it to get that data. And that's a perfect example of that, Mark. You know, you show up to a facility, put some data, like you can just, you can get so much valuable information from data loggers if you know what to do with them. It's crazy to me. I don't know. I think it's just very impressive. You know, it's, it's your eyes there. It's your eyes on the facility when you're not there. You know, they don't, they don't lie. <laughs> yeah, but that's an important part too, Clay. Yeah. Understanding where do you want them? You, you just don't want to walk into a facility and say, "I'm going to spend the next several hours figuring out how to instrument these boilers." Yep. You know, if that's if there's not something else driving you to, well, why do I want to look at these? And it's probably a good application. I mean, obviously, a big component of 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 costs and everything. But I certainly 
fell into that trap. You know, I'm talking early, you know, mid nineties probably. And it seemed like data loggers were, were becoming, coming down in price quite a bit and right. you know, just little self-contained battery operated things. And yep. you'd head off to a site with a bag of them. Yep. And when you would visit a mechanical room, you know, you would say, well, I'm going to put one on this motor here and see how much. And then, you know, by the end of the day, you might be like looking in your bag and saying, boy, I wish I would have saved some. I put them <laughs> on a lot of five horsepower motors. And now I see these, you know, yeah. 50 horse fans yeah. or something. So there is, a, there is a trap that you can fall into with a bag of data loggers. And just like anything, like an audit, you know, it should be planned out. And uh, I guess I kind of came to the point where, I wouldn't really necessarily deploy data loggers on a first visit to a site mm -hmm. oh. because those things about, you know, building and occupant interviews are very important and they kind of help, uh, you know, guide the direction of your data logging plan, if you will. No, definitely. That makes perfect sense. You kind of got to know, like you said, you, you got to know where you're going to put it and why you're placing it there and what you're trying to achieve from it before just willy nilly slapping them everywhere in a mechanical room because it's cool. You can re you know, log that whatever it is. <laughs> it is cool. I'll give it is. That. <laughs> it is very cool that these things can just like, yeah, I mean, fits in, you can fit like four in your pocket, probably three. I don't know. So as a preface to data logging, let us all be mindful that data loggers are an extremely useful tool for measuring physical variables. And those can be thermal, electrical, uh, flow. And in that case, you will be in proximity to voltage sources, high temperatures, potentially rotating equipment. So safety is a mandate. Have your PPE available, arc flash equipment, eye protection, everything that you need before you, you, you start to say, oh, I'm going to open this cabinet up and start putting on data loggers. Um, the you know, especially cabinets where there can be mixed voltages, safety is a mandate. So PPE, understand safe practices, and um, then go ahead and deploy your data loggers. 100%, Mark, and it doesn't matter if this facility is brand new or 100 years old. I mean, some can be more dangerous when they're older, but definitely uh, a lot of risks out there because you're putting many times you know, this instrumentation places in mechanical rooms or augmenting existing operating systems. And that's another thing that makes data logging or data loggers a nice thing. But yeah, you can be working with some in some dangerous situations. That's for sure. You're right. Safety is the utmost importance. And yeah, that's definitely something to consider. So and, and with that being said, there's probably I don't know if it's every time, but a lot of times where you know, even if I have my, my little data logger that I have to plug a CT into, I'm probably not going, or I could maybe not be the one that's installing that CT, right? You, you, you have to Correct. rely on a house electrician or what have you to, to do possible. that. possible. Right? Yes. But, you know, installing the CT, that's the physical part of it, but you still have the setup associated with the data logger. You yeah, have the, definitely. You know, all the configuration stuff. So when you get there, be ready, you know, be mindful of the people's time that you're that are assisting so no that's a good point too and this the, the preparation kind of goes back to where we started the conversation of knowing what where you're going to place these what you're going to do with it so yeah 
you should have your data logger already set up to log. And I think, I don't know, one of the neat, neat things for me is getting into the world of data logging, right? Cause I, I mean, we've never done any of this in college per se. This was all an in industry end is, um, being able to, and I don't know how, you know, I've only experienced one brand flavor of data loggers, but to be able to just program it on your computer, you know, whatever you're, you're monitoring, do your logging interval. And then what I think thought was the coolest thing was you can schedule the start time of them. I don't know. I thought that just stuck out to me as like so useful because, you know, if it takes you six hours to place all your data loggers, they'll start all at the same time. Not just there won't be a six hour deviance between them, which I thought was neat. I do remember that, uh, Clayton, and you're absolutely right. Because even if you have drive time, you're setting them up a day or two ahead. Yeah, of yeah, absolutely. You're right. You're going out to the site, maybe you have meetings for a first half a day. Yep. And I was always worried about more of, uh, you know, power consumption and battery loss. But yeah, no, no. I mean, definitely some forethought goes into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm thinking back to like, you know, my favorite ones were those EMF motor ones because you did not have to get into the electrical cabinet. You just place it, you know, near the fan or pump motor and it would record when this thing came on. Now there was some some issues with that depending on how close you could get to it. But I mean, those were pretty non-invasive data logging, if you will. And okay. same with the zone temperatures and things like that. But there's a lot of times you got to get into some, you know, pretty uh, more detailed. You know, I don't think uh, I've ever used those EMF ones you speak of. No, I've never used those. I've used ones that uh, actually are magnetically attached to a motor. So they, you know, sense the magnetic generation inside the motor, but never, I mean, they had to be stuck right to the motor. So right. that'd be cool, you know, to use ones that don't have to be right at the motor. Well, I mean, I don't, I think, I mean, these were, these had to be very close to the motor, if not on them, but yeah, I mean, yeah. the same thing, yeah. these EMF ones. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not, yeah. I guess they're contact ones, but. We use a lot of temp RH CTs. CO2. CO2. Yeah. Even gone as far as putting together uh, zero to, uh, or two to five volt with uh, Cetra's for airflow uh, uh, sensing, velocity sensing. So there's there's just an enormous amount of flexibility. Oh, yeah, but absolutely. It, you know, Nick, going back to your comment about I, I don't bring data loggers to the first walkthrough. No, you don't. But, you know, and we didn't talk about this necessarily in the energy uh, auditing session, but during that walkthrough, an energy, energy auditor is basically developing their plan for many, many things. I mean, okay, I have baseline construction that I'm going to have to do ingrained in all that. When I'm all done, there should be an outfall of a M&V plan. And somewhere I need to have a data logging plan to supplement data, which may or may not be available from the BMS or other uh, in-place data logging system. So there's a lot to think about on that first walkthrough and you're making notes and, oh, here's a big piece of equipment, boiler, chiller, whatever it is. Um, What might I need to monitor on that based on the points list or lack of points list or lack of uh, trending inside the current BMS? Because we've been to many places where 
there's a BMS or an EMS or whatever you want to call it. And for whatever reason, the vendor has not set up trending. And, you know, when we ask, can we get them to set it up? Oh, yeah, but they tell us it's $300 a trend. Well, forget it. We'll take care of it and put the data logger out and be done with it instead yeah. of asking mm-hmm. for, you know, 80 trends. And, you know, the, three, the, four weeks later. Right, exactly. Yeah. We'll just get on with the work. Well, and that's a, that's the big takeaway. I think it's it's about uh, filling in those gaps, mm-hmm. right? right. And, and sometimes you do, you run into somebody, you know, a facilities manager that knows exactly how their systems are operating. And sometimes it can be, you know, you're making a judgment saying, okay, well, that seems pretty reliable for that piece of equipment right there. But I'm going to monitor these over here. I mean, I've been in a lot of buildings where some of the systems may be on, you know, a very modern building automation system, and then many other systems are just, you know, on their old pneumatic uh, control, and there's just no way of really even being confident when they are operating. Yeah. So those are the kind of gaps you want to kind of fill in. And again, you know, it's not about monitoring every single seven and a half horsepower fan motor in a building necessarily, but putting together the big picture, I guess, of how the building and systems are operating through a strategic outlay of these little, you know, microprocessor based little things. They are amazing little pieces of technology. They are. They are. To be able to log, I mean, thousands and thousands of points of data and go for, I mean, you could literally run them for months depending on what your interval is and what have you. But you brought up a good point, Nick, talking about facilities with um, very advanced BMS systems. Like, and either you or Mark, if you want to just dive into it a little bit, like, what what do you do at that point? Like, do you still, depending on what, it all depends on what you want to know and what they're logging already or viewing. But, like, do you still generally bring your own data logging equipment in? Or do you say, well, this is just something that you should probably always see forever and let's bring it into your BMS system. Well, in the context of doing the energy audit, as Nick said, it's for filling in the gaps. Now we fill in the gaps, but depending on the age and uh, what the intent of the programmer was and what the requirement from the uh, owner is, there may be, uh, you know, back in the early days of BMS, uh, one hour samples were, okay for a trend yeah that's true you know at that level of sampling you may miss 50 percent of what happens in the building yeah oh we're going to fill in not only the gaps in uh what is being monitored but we'll also fill in the gaps of the frequency if it's difficult to change those and there are some proprietary systems that it was very difficult to set up a trend and and change i mean then it's just as easy to put out a data logger fill the gaps in and Mm -hmm. move forward. Yeah. I think it's important to note too. It really depends on the stage you are. I mean, we did talk, talk, I know we talk in terms of ASHRAE level one, two, and three, but you know, if you're trying to, you know, give a preliminary view of, Hey, here are some opportunities. Sometimes that doesn't involve any data logging, but sometimes there is, you know, if, if it really hinges on when are these buildings, you know, operating and how are they maintaining their zone temperatures? That can be a big driver in cost. You know, for a mm-hmm. your typical office building type of thing, you get into areas with central plants and bigger cost centers like that. Then 
Yeah, you're looking at a combination of data logging and fixed instrumentation. And again, it's it's something new every time, really. You go into a yeah. building, it's you really got to, you know, like a, and I hate to say crime scene sometimes, but sometimes <laughs> they look like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, especially working in industrials, you yeah. know, there's such a variety of uh, physical measurements that, that you can take and a variety of opportunities that you need to, in that first walkthrough, start to say, okay, where's the, where's the big stuff? Where do I have what I think might be continuously or frequently operating high temperature heat, um, a good quality heat where, you know, where are some of the things that, uh, you know, I can either shut off or reduce the operation of large horsepower, uh, motors. So, you know, we did a project a few years ago where we recovered heat from a reactive thermal oxidizer and the RTO would exhaust, uh, VOCs from the system and incinerate them to an inert state and that heat was being exhausted at considerable temperature over 500 degrees f and so we we put data loggers on it to monitor the temperature and frequency of operation it was basically uh, pretty continuous so in the northeast you have the opportunity to recover that heat be able to reuse it somewhere in the building and as with most industrial facilities, the building was negatively pressurized. So in the wintertime, uh, you know, it got cold, there were drafts, it impacted manufacturing. So we used that heat to uh, preheat makeup air to help to neutrally pressurize the building and put the heat back in, you know, air to air heat exchanger mm-hmm. so that there was no uh, products of combustion, but was able to heat the space. Now without a data logger, it would be purely speculation to say how much and how often, uh, how much heat, and how often does it operate uh, for that RTO? And very difficult to do with a one-time measurement on a rooftop. Yeah, right. Stick your probe in there and say, oh, it's pretty high. You know, we could probably recover heat. Let's build a whole project over (laughs) there. No, that's a a great point, though, Nick. You know, as you do maybe your initial walkthrough, you can do, you take all your one-time measurements or what have you, and then, okay, now we want to see what this thing does for days, weeks, months, whatever, as long, you know, as long as you need to see it and um, then go from there. Yeah, It's the whole thing about, you know, what are these things doing when we're not looking? Yep, exactly. So, um, obviously you have a lot of control on on what you're, what you're logging, logging rate and all that stuff. And I, I don't know, I just thought it'd be maybe worth talking about logging intervals for a little bit of time for some, a little bit. Um, you know, we, you can program down to, I I mean, you could probably program, I don't know, Mark, how low can you go? Seconds. Yeah. That's what I was going to, that's what I was thinking. So, you know, we've done five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and it all depends on what you're logging, what you need to know, how long you plan to keep these out for. But I don't know. I just thought it'd be worth kind of divulging into that for a little bit. You know, what, what do you log at 15 minute intervals versus five second intervals or five minute intervals, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's a good discussion. I'm thinking back like top down, you know, fan motors and things like that. I think I typically would set them up for 15 minutes. Uh, Like if you're doing space temperature, 
15 like minutes? Space temperature would be, you know, 15 or, th- I mean, I would probably, I think my tendency was always, and, and maybe it would change over time as I think about it more. I, I haven't done too much data logging in recent years, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was more of like, how much can I get? But I, I remember looking at that information too about, okay, if I crank down or crank up my frequency, how much data will I get? Yeah. And I seem to remember that being a factor too. Like, hey, okay, I could go for one minute trends on this stuff. Why not? But, you know, I'll be gone in five days and I won't be back for two weeks. So, yeah. But, you know, a lot of that was just, oh, thinking in my early days, maybe, hey, the more data I get, yeah. the better. But, yep. you know, 15 minute trends on uh, space temperature, I think is reasonable. You get into instrumenting a large built up air handling unit and you've got, you know, temperature sensors and all your, plenums and you're trying to figure out is there simultaneous heating and cooling going on yeah you want to tighten down that frequency quite a mm-hmm. bit mark thoughts on central plant stuff and and i agree with that in general we're especially in the hvac world you're looking at um, low volatility variables where uh, in general in 15 minutes if there's a change it's not going to be 2x it'll be 1.1x or you know something right that that kind of volatility but you know data loggers outside the arena of uh, energy audits when we get involved as expert witnesses and you're trying to demonstrate control system instability or lack of tuning or any of those things, you may go down to a minute and the Mm. sample size may only be for two days. But if you have a 15 minute window that you're logging, it may not even show a unstable control loop because the root mean square is always about where it should be. But in the meantime, your controller is just cycling from zero to a hundred to zero to a hundred. Um, on a nonstop basis. So different applications. And the, the the point I wanted to make is that the data loggers that are available nowadays are so good, you can go down to the seconds and basically plot a uh, very high speed control loop uh, output uh, change in the measured variable and huge diagnostic tool when you have to come in after the fact and try and understand why uh, we are where we're at and what are the actual what are the actual physical changes that are happening yeah, <laughs> yeah especially when you get into like the multi-channel data log yes yeah. right. you might be putting them on a chiller or a motor mm-hmm. control center things like that there is a wealth of that data stream that comes back is yeah uh packed full of information. Definitely. And I guess, I don't know, because I'm just kind of building up because my next topic of discussion for this episode is like, you you, you have all of this data, right? If you set out however many data loggers and you're, you're logging at whatever interval, that's a lot to organize. And I don't know, again, how it generally goes, but I've always done it. You bring it in as a CSV in Excel, right? So I don't know. That's another thing you got to be cognizant of uh, how much data is coming in and what am I going to do with that once I get it? Because you could log infinite amounts of data, but if you can't aggregate it to make it mean something, it's useless. 
So that's a good point, Clayton. And generally, if it's an energy audit, you pick a common time window so that there's no diff and a common start time so that there's no difficulty in time aligning in Excel uh, to do correlation analysis and those kind of things. Because if you don't, it's a real drag to uh, sort and align data from different sources to be time aligned. Uh, yeah. You can suck up a lot of time just doing that. And there's no point, you know, and uh, with a little bit of forethought, you can circumvent all of that pain and, and uh, manipulation. Yeah. I seem to remember uh, like time drift being a big part of these data loggers. And again, it's probably changed over a couple of years here, but meaning that you'd have to make sure your, your time, your the internal clock of the data logger was right. So I believe there was a way on most of these uh, products you could, you know, sync the time up with your computer clock when you were launching it mm -hmm. and setting it up. And then I do remember the whole date timestamp being a big problem, but that's, I think with, you know, modern Excel tools and some other things, it's become less of an issue about how to sync up with, a, you know, a date and timestamp that might be a minute or a couple seconds off from the other data set. And so you can, it's, I think it's a lot easier these days to kind of aggregate that data and bring it in. But again, that goes back to, you know, if you went out there and you said, I've got 25 loggers and I want to deploy them all here today, and you're kind of putting them out without much thought, you're going to have the same issues when you get the data back. You know, now it's like, okay, I have all this data. Why did I want this? What am I looking at? Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of plan needs to follow through so you don't get overwhelmed with it. But still, the point being, you know, with a data logger, sometimes you are expecting what the data will say, but many other times it's exactly why you have a data logger out there is so you can look at it and maybe see something that isn't exactly discernible from you know, day to day, just kind of being in the building. Correct. I, I, I agree with you, Nick, the time drift used to be a problem, but I think the bigger issue that we see is we set, we put out data loggers and I haven't done it in a long time in terms of doing it wrong. But if you put out half with 10 minute intervals and half with 15 minute intervals, well, your least common denominator is 30 minutes. So I'm going to lose half of the mm -hmm. 15-minute data, I'm going to lose two-thirds of the 10-minute data just to get everything time-aligned. Excellent point there. Absolutely. You know, that's a – we all get excited and enthused, oh, we're going to do an audit and, and launch our data loggers. But to be thorough and accurate during the launch of the data loggers is important. Yes, I mean, early on, I came back with, uh, you know – this would be back in the 90s, so when I say early on, yeah. Um, data where, what the hell? I have no data in the data logger. Oh, that's because I had it on the push button to launch or oh, something. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, that, yeah. that's always a drag. Yep. Yep. <laughs> no, I got to agree with that. Yeah, I've experienced a couple of those now <laughs> that you bring them up. Yeah. Or battery. I can imagine if oh. you missed to see that the battery was at, 20% and you, yeah. you know, set it out for a tight logging rate and yep. come That's back and fire myself and then have to hire myself back and <laughs> go through the internal human resources negotiation. 
No, I've been down that road, you know, oh crap, I didn't set this or do that or even yeah, time aligning data. And I don't know, I'm trying to remember going back to a couple years ago on looking at some data from bigger projects. Do they like, maybe it's data log or quality or age or whatever, but like say I set it for five minute intervals. Does that drift sometimes in the internal and the data logger? Maybe it's, maybe that's not, wasn't the case. You know, if, if it was supposed to record at, you know, zero, five, 10, 15, and you got zero, three, eight, whatever, like, or no, they're pretty good at staying right at five minutes or right at 10 minutes or five, whatever you set it at. Well, the, the, for instance, what Nick said is exactly right. Setting your start time at a specific start time is valuable. Yeah. Cause then you, you don't do have to, the, if you do the, you know, push to start or yep. launch now, it will start five minutes from there. Not on a five, it'll be a five minute interval. Yeah. But it would be at a non mm-hmm. you know, a offset by X number of minutes. If you're not on the zero minute mark. Yep. Oh. I guess that's probably where a common mistake would be too. If you wanted to call yep. it a mistake, you get, stuck you're like oh nothing nothing started or stopped at the same time so now i need to go in excel and make it all line up and with well, a I lot of data points that takes time oh totally and and the lesson applies you know to data loggers as, as just to any other tool or instrument you have out there you, know, you, you need to know how it operates and what its limitations are and when you're out in the field is it's probably not the best time to be you know changing your batteries <laughs> yeah your, yeah making sure did you bring odds you bring that probe i mean there is forethought that comes into it and you know it seemed like that's how i spent you know every half a day at least before an audit was setting up your your logger plan and making oh, yeah. sure and even testing it and yeah. you know being a little ocd about it if you will because you're right those and i mean i have a flood of memories mark now that you say <laughs> that coming back retrieving your data loggers and having no data I mean, it's that's a bad day. Thing. Yeah, oh, it yeah. is. And then you ultimately have to go back. You know, yep. right? <laughs> yep. For whatever. Why are you here again? Why are you going through these same rooms? <laughs> well, because I screwed up. Exactly. Oh, that's not a good place to be. When no. I set up a data logger, I like triple check it every time to make sure that at least I'm not missing anything now because I'm super paranoid about that. And yeah, the you know the day before, the week before, whatever you go out. I remember going through. You know, you got. Your, your bags of data loggers, plug it in. How much battery? How much battery? How much battery right. power? So we know we got all battery power. And then, <laughs> like the night before in the hotel room, you're soldering up your resistor onto your flow meter. Yeah, yeah, stuff. just get it. You know, you're fully preparing, making sure everything's good. So, yeah, when the big day comes, you're not hassling with all of that. You're prepared on that regard. So, right. And, and like, yeah, setting up your data log, you can program them the day before to say everything's going to start logging tomorrow at noon and stop, you know, whenever at noon. So preparation is key. <laughs> well, and the, and the price of these data loggers has come down so much too, that at least I remember when I was working more on a team of, you know, different audit professionals that, you know, we'd have different projects and we'd share a, you know, a pool of, of data logging equipment. So you had to be kind of, you might be getting data or, you know, a logger off a project in the morning from somebody else and you'd have to set it up and go out there, but there wasn't, I mean, I remember them being kind of pricey to buy, but just even looking 
this morning on, on some of the manufacturer sites. I know some of the products we've all used, you know, they're very reasonably priced for what they do. And it's amazing. Well, you, I mean, I, I was laughing when you said, uh, you know, I think about uh, the price of electricity keeps my house cool. Hey, that's a deal. And I look at these data loggers as one of the highest value tools that you can carry. Um, you know, now you can get Bluetooth where you can do walk by downloads. You can do in place checks without ever even removing them. You that's can, crazy. You know, that's it. Exactly. Uh, IP yeah. addressable where I can actually have, have them connected to the internet and I can download, you know, remotely. And there are, is just so much functionality built in now. And okay, that's a, you know, a function of the cost of processing and memory comes down and they can add these things in cheap. Basically they're the same cost they were 20 years ago. And the functionality is increased by a couple orders of magnitude in terms of the amount of data they can hold in terms of the flexibility uh, and communications opportunities. I mean, just really, you know, for a couple hundred bucks, you can have these things and they're good for years, uh, you know, change the battery. They have local displays on many of them. So that, you know, just really, really helpful tools, just really helpful. So you tell me our data loggers are a little outdated compared to some of the fancy stuff they've got now, huh? Okay. Use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they still they do, they do their job. They That's right. Job. Yeah. But you're telling me I could just walk by and get it downloaded by Bluetooth. Jeez, yep. I have to go to it and plug it in and you know export the CSV and all that stuff now. It just happens. Yes. Wow. Right. Yeah, yeah, have the data go right up to a cloud in some instances. You don't even have to That's go right. back and get them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I put data loggers in places where I really didn't want to go back and get them. So yeah, I can imagine a, that. I'm sure I probably still have some stuck to some motors and. Mexico, New York or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, so one of the things that we encountered in a few different instances, specifically when we were doing um, CO2 monitoring, you know, in the space, temperature, relative humidity monitoring in the space is people are wary of the data loggers. Number one, they think it's something that was put there to spy on them. Yeah. Number two, um, you know, it's a shiny object that has a flashing light on it. Maybe the kids would like it. So we see they're either moved, hidden, thrown out, or taken home. So on one of the projects we did a few years ago, I said, I've had enough of this nonsense where I put out, you know, 100 data loggers and 85 come back. And I need the data, number one, and I need my data loggers, number two. So we just put on every one of them. Uh, a little sticker that said GPS enabled data logger, do not move. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it is just, when I saw oh, that is the first great. time, I was like, what? <laughs> that is just absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I don't know if that would fly 20 years ago, perhaps, but now. Oh, but five years ago it did. Oh, yeah, I definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You look up, you're like, what the hell is this thing? And it's got a little GPS enabled. I'm not touching it. Stay in there. <laughs> I'm... Oh, that's that's interesting. No, yeah. I, I do remember a lot of those things. Yeah, and having to hide your, especially, I mean, your your zone temperature sensors, things like that that are out in right. occupied spaces. Uh, yep. Definitely would have a, a way of roaming. But yeah. I, I would almost think 
I don't know. You point out to them and say, no, it's not a camera, but look over there. There's all the cameras that are watching everything you do. <laughs> this is just monitoring the space temperature and your air quality. People oh, I like that, issues. boy. Yeah, that's hilarious. I'm glad you said that, Mark, because I think that is just just pure genius. But, you know, let's put a little sticker on it, GPS enabled. <laughs> we were at a trade show and told one of the manufacturers that, and they said, we're going to start, you know, recommending people do that. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> I like it. Um, think twice. It sure does. I wouldn't want to touch it if it said GPS enabled and whatever, whatever, you know. You're going to find me. <laughs> I, I might just get a thousand of those stickers printed up just to put on everything I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My bicycle when I chain it up. <laughs> GPS enabled. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I like it. Anything could be GPS enabled nowadays, so you know. Oh, absolutely. I agree. So, um, where do we want to go with this now? Do we want to wrap it up? Is there any more well, so stuff I think we want to? There, you know, what's the value that that we get out of the data logger? Uh, so, first of all, we we fill in the gaps, as Nick said, whether mm-hmm. it's the interval between sampling or a complete lack of data regarding the operation of the building, and we get. Uh, honest data, which is certainly valuable. Yep. So to the energy auditor or to the person you know deploying the data logger, the value of this is number one, we have real data. And number two, a picture is worth a thousand words. So how many times have we put out data loggers that now we have data and we go to a plant manager, a facilities manager, or a finance person and say, here's what's really happening in your building. It adds a whole new level of credibility when you know business decisions are made based on the data. Show me the data. And when you can demonstrate to the people making decisions that we have the data, here's the, the axiom that the data supports, and here's why we propose to change A, B, or C. I, I think there's a lot of value in that. So, you know, don't be... Um, how do you want to say, be mindful of what you're using the data for. And it's not just limited to creating mathematical um, functions, which are used to calculate energy cost avoidance, but they're also useful in that presentation uh, at a high level because, you know, it it really, as I said, demonstrates uh, thoughtfulness and gives you credibility. I think the correlations that can identify and, and prove are uh, are huge as well. Huge, I mean, sometimes right. you don't. It could be a, a s- small. I don't know. I, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example, but it, just to show a correlation between two data points that maybe you would have either not noticed or had a suspicion on. And when you when you have a thousand data points each, and you plot it on Excel, and it's just completely obvious at that point. You know, the picture right. makes it so obvious. But yeah, you have to get the data time aligned. You know, know where to put it program everything, you know, to get to that point. But once you do, it's like, that's a no brainer. Now I know what's happening or why it's happening or whatever. So, um, again, especially in uh, large scale and we've been involved in, in many, uh, failures of performance contracts. So by and large, um, good performance contracts, there, there will be uh, BMS or some other tool to do 
data logging of specific data that um, impacts the the uh, IPMVP based calculations that uh, show what the savings are. Right. In many projects we've been on, uh, there's nothing. So they'll walk around, do a spot check. Temperatures are good. Uh, looks like the lights are going off. And it, when you when you constructed the uh, methodology for M and V. Basically, it requires, hey, we're going to do a, you know, a one-week sample or a one-day sample or a whatever it is, not just point sample for mm-hmm. M and V. So that in and of itself is a weakness. If you haven't put the data logging capabilities into the BMS, that's risk. So when the legal folks come around and say, how are you doing this? and you're using point source data in the M&V because you didn't set up the BMS properly, and they go back and put in data loggers to reconstruct what's actually going on. If, if it's not right, that's a source of risk. And certainly, uh, as Nick has said many times, hopefully we don't wait to the end of year one to do the first M&V report. We do an interim quarterly or you know mid-year or whatever it is so that we get an idea, which would presumably make us look at whether we have the trends that we need or not, but failure to put those in and, you know, the, the plaintiff having their expert pull out the data loggers and put them in, that's a bad day, but it happens. Yeah. Great points. Yep. I mean, I think the key thing is here, the data loggers allow you uh, a view into things that you, you don't necessarily normally see. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess, you know, the, the data is out there technically. So the logger right. is just getting that info, getting that data. Yep. So without, you know, the data, you, you can't have really good information. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and from without the good information, it's tough to make good decisions. So it all really starts with getting that information from the site. And that's where the data loggers are really you know, very economical and uh, expedient way mm-hmm. to get some insights into it. Yeah, I think they're they're just a great tool. I mean, we've used them in the energy audit end, in the diagnosis end, to try to figure out what's going on, to find some correlations, to see any deviance and, you know, anything. We've used them a lot and uh, they're definitely uh, on the top, in the top tier of uh, most valuable tools, <laughs> if you would call it that for me. So, right. You, you can have data without information, but you cannot have information without data. There it is. That's Whoa, gonna be there's the, our quote for the uh, yep. podcast and the that's, intro. That's the intro, Nick. That's what people are going to hear when they log on and hit play. Certainly not my quote, but some science fiction writer came up with that. But it's a that's good okay. one. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. That was our discussion on data loggers. So. Try to just cover a good amount of what they are, how they work, where they can be applied, and really just emphasize how valuable of a tool these data loggers are for a multitude of different things. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast. We had a lot of fun talking about data loggers. It's amazing how much you can talk about you know something seemingly so simple for a whole podcast episode, but we enjoyed it. We did it. And stay tuned. Our next episode, we will be discussing some of the best tools for the job, 
aside from data loggers now. And this one's going to be a little bit different. I know we were kind of planning on doing this one before this uh, data logger episode, but we're going to end up doing kind of a video podcast, if you want to call it that. So you'll be able to see a who we are, what we look like, and some of the best tools for the job and kind of pulling them directly out of our toolkit, if you wanted to say. So stay tuned. That's going to be a really interesting and fun episode. And for more information on us, check out our websites, www.vsenergy.us or www.appliedfacilitiescience.com. Thanks a lot for tuning in, guys. Have a great day.